0: This is the 8-9 Combo. This is the 8-9 Combo. I am Brett McKay and I'm back for another great rugby chat with my sparring partner and travel budget extorting co-host, Harry Jones. Hello, mate. How you doing?
1: How's it, man? Uh, you know, I'm loving our name. Eighth Mine, uh, it, it just rolls off the tongue. I often call you uh, Laidlaw, as you know, in honor of the great Greg Laidlaw, who was the uh, dead-eye Scottish kicker and, and halfback because of a vague resemblance uh, and a prodigious appetite. Vague. Yeah, you guys,
2: very I don't vague.
1: know if you know this, but you both eat a lot. Uh, and, and as you know, I met uh, Laidlaw himself, the real Laidlaw. In Mahveh, off South Africa, uh, limited the international love machine that's called Finn Russell uh, to just three points. Um, And Laidlaw, the real Laidlaw, told me in a way that I'll never forget. He said, the only way you can get quick ball with the box is to kick the bloody ball. Um, So we can talk about that and many things tonight. But, you know, I'm off to Edinburgh soon with a black tie, tartan boxers Mm. and a a menu of goat curry and a plan to uh, subdue the old course with skill, cunning, and a very generous pencil, and uh, (laughs) happy to be here for episode two, and I understand that we're doing quite well on the charts. I just woke up to some great news.
0: We are, yes, yes. I'll touch on that a little later, but yeah, we've been very pleasantly surprised by uh, a few little chart updates, uh, including... Hello to the people of Singapore, and that will make sense all very, very soon. Uh, We are back for the second week of the 8-9 Combo Rugby Podcast, and yes, we are those guys you might have listened to occasionally on the Raw Rugby Podcast over the last few years, so thanks for finding us under the new banner. If you are completely new to the pod, we say welcome, and we obviously hope you stick around. If you've been with us for so long, then obviously we say welcome back, and thanks for following us over. We are on... All the pod, pod, pod platforms, yes, Spotify and Apple, but all the others too. We're on YouTube and their music varieties, the last days of Google podcasts, but also the iHeart Network, Amazon, Audible, literally wherever you get your podcasts. So please do like, follow, subscribe and rate and review and share. It all it all helps. It really does. Uh, we are starting the pod in the same way we have for a while, but we're just giving it a new name. It's Cheers and Jeers, mate. And I will... Lead off with a cheers for actual on-field rugby. And it just cannot come fast enough in Australia, can it? After all the pre-season headlines about the whole Wallabies coaching debacle and the shakeup of the board and the chair and which clubs are solvent and not and how big the Waratahs' debt really was when they handed over the keys and now the Melbourne Rebels situation, actual rugby being played – will be celebrated across the fan, across, across the country by fans and administrators alike. And I, for one, cannot <laughs> wait till Friday night. I just cannot wait, mate. Uh, what oh, do you have yeah. for me in the jeers department?
1: Uh, and I bet that's right. There's just been a long hair-shirt hair pilgrimage where everyone's just been lashing themselves in Australia. Yeah. So good on you. Yeah. Uh, two quick jeers, the DJ in Durban at Kings Park, who was the mixer man. Uh, who played so many mismatched songs uh, at the Derby um, that it, I think it confused the Sharks. And uh, <laughs> even Ox Inche wanted some salad by the end. I mean, it was literally the worst mix I've ever heard and also the best. I don't oh. know. But then the crowd come, forgot forgot the game. Um, yeah, right. And it played right into the pretty little Stormer's hands and, and my voice uh, ran through. Uh, a more serious year, after the, the Ulster team lost a heartbreaker to the rising Ospreys uh, after a sweet drop goal winner, embattled coach Dan McFarlane said it all came down to two mystifying calls, and he claimed that the ref cost his side the match. Uh, this is not, this is not it. As I, as I tweeted, no, man, this is not it. Like optics, uh, tone deaf, but also in that particular match, the Ospreys were carded twice. They had 13 men on the field. Um, I think Ulster dropped a ball over the line. I mean, enough Mm. of this, please. I mean, if we're going to be forensic about things, let's at least say, let's be a grown-ass man and say better team on the day, move on. And then to Ulster's credit, all of their fans have been dumping on that uh, response and said no. So, jeers.
0: Yeah. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the official jeers, that is, isn't it? Mate, let's get straight to this week's guest. He was one of our favourites last year, and so we wasted... No time at all of putting him back on the list for 2024, and he is coming up next. It was mentioned to us on the socials last week that having Sir Bill Beaumont as our first guest, as we did last week, meant that it was a case of good luck to whoever we got on as the second guest. But we reckon this week's guest will not only hold his own against Seville, but with his new job now, actually gets the chance to test that theory in the hallways of World Rugby HQ. <laughs> he was genuinely one of our favourite guests last year, the former Flying Fijians coach, the darlings of last year's Rugby World Cup, but now is the World Rugby High Performance Pathways and Player Development Manager. Please welcome back, Simon Rawalui.
2: Simon. Hello,
0: Buller. Happy New Year to you, Simon.
2: Cheers, guys. Great to be here. Um, obviously, love the new name, the Eight Nine uh, Eight Nine Podcast. Uh, always wanted to be part of. The, <clears throat> always wanted to be part of an Eight Nine combination, but unfortunately, uh, due to my physical uh, attributes, I only ever got the Four or Five combo.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're just yeah. we're just going with all all of our guests are locked so far. So it's you and Bill locking <laughs> down straight. in the engine room of a scrum. Would that have worked out well for you?
2: <laughs> yeah. No. No, it's it's, it's obviously great to be here. Great great to be the second guest behind Bill. Uh, I obviously can't do too well, because I'll I'll, I'll try my best.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you'll be. I'm sure you'll be fine, mate. We we mentioned the new job. You were straight into it um, after the World Cup last year. How's it? How's it been going? How have you found it? How have you found the the shift away from coaching into uh, into player and pathway development as you are. Oh, it's uh, it's
2: been really good. Obviously, it's an area that a uh, passion of uh, high performance and uh, with Fiji rugby, it's it's been what I've done for the last four years uh, outside of the the coaching. After the World Cup, it was uh, it was obviously quite a hard um, uh, campaign. So, the, the body and it was sick a little bit sick after it when, uh, when we when we when we finished. But uh, uh, as of December, really got into it and really enjoying the job. It's uh, been around the world, uh, travelled. 30 hours yesterday, so uh, don't know which way is up at the moment, but really, really enjoying the role.
1: Yeah, this job is interesting, Simon. It sounds like the job I already have, which is you circumnavigate the globe, uh, you're loved by all, and then you're the least critical food critic on the planet. Like, you literally just enjoy your food in North Carolina, San Diego, and now you're in Ireland or somewhere, uh, and starting and encouraging and growing rugby uh, in places off the beaten path um tell us a little bit more about the job itself i mean the title is amazing but what is it actually that you're in charge of and what are you hoping to, uh,
2: to to accomplish yeah so obviously going into those developing nations and helping with their pathways looking at their systems uh in terms of uh the development um how are we getting that best time to get to the the national team so i've been lucky i've been through the pacific uh the usa uh heading up to ireland now but it's been a it's a it, it's a passion for me, growing the game um, and getting that. So yeah, I've had that also responsible for World Rugby's interest in the franchises. So being those franchises and just making sure those competitions that they're that they're, they're a pretty wider uh, uh, ranging job. It's been learning on the run. It's been going in there and just getting my hands hands dirty and enjoying it. But it's been really, really good. I've I've, uh, I've, been, I've enjoyed it. Uh, kept obviously up in Europe now, so getting out to those teams in Europe, um, hopefully getting down to South America and Africa later in the year.
0: The franchise element is is interesting to me, Simon, because obviously we know about the Fijian draw, we know about Moana Pacifica, but as you mentioned, it's also uh, Super Rugby Americas in, in South America. There's input into new teams in Major League Rugby in the US. So that actually sounds like a pretty big remit now under your banner
2: yeah obviously it's uh it's about growing the game globally so mm. those franchises give those opportunities to those countries to get um that high level of rugby that they need so when it comes to those pinnacle events they're they're getting um their they play their competition their players have been in that uh, situation so so far i've been out to moana obviously seeing i've got a uh, long history with the drawer um been out to the new anthems the uh, 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 franchise that's in uh, Charlotte USA mm-hmm. uh, which is a, is a which is a great um, team for them for their future obviously with the 31 World Cup uh, being played in the USA it's just giving their their players especially those younger players coming through the development stage uh, Academy um, that opportunity to play at the highest level uh, so yeah it's it's really really uh, it's, it's a great thing to be involved in great thing to see mm. how or how I can assist and those sort of things. So obviously getting out to the Europe uh, with this trip and then uh, hopefully down to South America and uh, see what we can add to those teams.
0: Gee, i tell you what, if you've got money left in your budget toward the end of the year, I can certainly point you in, in the direction of a certain trans-Tasman competition that would love some world rugby investment. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I bet you can.
1: <laughs> Yeah, Simon, uh, I, I've been uh, down in Mexico, in Monterrey, and they have uh, a burgeoning rugby club down there, and I could not believe the level of interest. Uh, it seems to me that South America is exploding with interest for rugby. There's a whole, there's a whole sector of athletes in Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, uh, Colombia, Brazil. Brazil, what a giant um, mm. in terms of the population and size and skill. And what's interesting is they're footballers, so it seems to translate even quicker, maybe, than some countries that don't have uh, that type of background. Um, how excited are you about Latin America? And sort of speak to—is are you defining these with numerical goals? I mean, is there a is there a number of participants or a stand-up uh, goal, or is it just a matter of
2: encouraging whatever is happening already? I think, uh, in terms of numbers, I think the game's growing as as it is. It's uh, you can see the participation is growing throughout the world. South America is a really interesting, uh, interesting um, landscape. They've obviously did really well at the last World Cup. Got some really good, um, had some really good results in terms of their performance at the, the at the highest level. And as you said, it's a it's a growing market, which is a, actually a huge market with Brazil and other teams that are coming in there. So I think it's one of the areas that uh, we want to target that growth, the development. Um, obviously, like you said, the it's a soccer uh, playing uh, nation, um, and we want to put our infrastructure in there and grow the game because I think if we get if we get it right, it's only get, going to get bigger and bigger. And it's such a untouched landscape in terms of probably more towards a, a middle to north uh, north north uh, of the South Americas. But it's uh, yeah, like you said, there's a passion and. When you see their teams play, it, it's the crowds really engaged yeah. with them because yeah. they've got a passion within them for the for the sport. And yeah, so I, I think it's going to be one of the. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting out there and uh, actually touching base because mm. I've only ever been there when I was with the Wallabies down in Argentina and stuff like that. I want to actually explore and see what we can, uh, how we can help and grow the game down in South America. How important then, Simon, is is a
0: competition like Super Rugby Americas, which is only. What, two or three years old, I think, Harry. And it's got teams from Argentina and Chile and Uruguay and oh it's what is it? It's five or six or seventeen competitions. So I mean that's
2: vital going forward, you know, isn't it? No, it's huge. Uh like like I said, with every region you need with participation, you need competition, you need opportunities to play at the so when you get the opportunity to play in a competition. Where you're bringing your best players in uh, when they're playing at the highest level, it's only going to grow the game and it's only going to get the get the players developed um, in, a, in a quicker manner. So uh, that competition is huge. Um, obviously, the same in Europe, but we just we just need to keep on growing that and get that participation. Make sure the pathways, um, the academies, and all that are producing that talent through. And then, uh, you, you know, you've got a long-term goal, so a long-term uh, plan. And it's uh, it's <clears throat> it's really exciting to see the growth that's happening in these regions. One of the biggest frustrations we always seem to have
1: is around World Cups, we talk about the tiers. Uh, usually there are a couple of teams, obviously, that step up from whatever, tier two, so-called. Um, but this time, even there were people, there were teams we might have thought of tier three, almost, that stepped up. Um, what do we do about those? It seems stubborn mm-hmm. I and mean, we you know, 20 years talking about teams. Years, but then we seem to have a stubborn uh, lack of games, lack of ma- uh, test match uh, opportunities uh, for a team like Georgia or st- even for Fiji. Um, what can we do? What are you doing? And is that something that's part of your
2: your role as well? Yeah. Uh, cheers, Harry. I don't like to use the word tears, obviously, coming yeah, from yeah. <laughs> for Fiji. <so>. But <clears throat> it's true. There's obviously... At that uh, upper upper level, there's obviously the 10, 11 teams that uh, are playing regularly against each other, and this about uh, I think World Rugby and the the crew do a great job of trying to get competition. You see, Portugal's playing against South Africa. Uh, Fiji's getting um, Fiji's getting uh, New Zealand, the All Blacks, in the US. In the more opportunities that we get uh, at that developmental uh, stage to play against the best teams, you, you'll get you'll get the uh, You'll get the improvement. It's like the World Cup when you had a, when everyone had the same preparation time. I think it was three or four months going into a World Cup high level competition, and you saw the results. Exactly. You saw teams competing and and beating the best uh, the best of the teams. And, and mm. the great thing about the World Cup was the competition, the level of uh, parity in the competition, which was uh, I think made it one of the best World Cups uh, going. So yeah, there is a definitely. real push in working together to get the competition, but. We're only limited to an uh, an amount of games per year, per team. So getting those teams, they obviously want to play each other. They play each other in their their local competitions, the uh, the TRC and Six Nations. So there's a a limited number of matches that can be shared around. But uh, I'm all for pushing for higher competition because it it, um, produces better results. So, yeah, yeah, World Rugby really looks at it and uh, we we work together to try and get those uh, opportunities for those teams.
1: So take a team like, T- like Fiji. How far ahead were you able to plan tests? Uh, and was it kind of a negotiation between you and the teams mm-hmm. you were playing? Did World yeah, Rugby help you broker that, or how did it work?
2: Yeah. Well, there's always help from World Rugby, obviously, because they have to sanction the matches. Um, we, in terms of leading up to the World Cup, uh, we dealt directly with teams like England and uh, and France them wanting, are um, wanting matches leading into the World Cup, and we were fortunate to get some, some, some of those matches. Um, but it's a comment it's a combination of the both. Uh, it's working between the two nations. Like I said, they've obviously got their set competition, so there's a set amount of matches outside of those, outside of those windows being what it, what it is. So, and a lot of the developing nations are. Are restricted to getting their players in those windows. So outside of those windows, they're not available yeah. for, for for extra matches. So, um, <clears throat> Fiji's in in a in a reasonably good position due to their performances. Um, the I think the drawers help with the consistency of the performances as well. Those players coming through, mm, uh, teams know yeah, that they've definitely. got a they've got the, the stronger position with a. Uh, With Fiji, so yeah, but it's about uh, it's like the it's it's about bringing all levels up and getting the opportunity to play at that level.
0: Yeah, in that regard, then Simon, um, the USA hosting twenty thirty one is going to be huge for a continent like South America, isn't it? Like that's that's about as big a carrot as could be dangled in front of those those countries.
2: Yeah, well, it's huge just in terms of one of the that that region is just especially north america is, is with the anthems coming in is a real opportunity to explode the game in the in i say north yeah. america but i say the americas because the americas is much much more logistically easier to play against they it brings yeah. up opportunities in uh in those areas so i'm really interested to see how the anthems go this year um it, i think it is uh it could be a huge opportunity for them to um, grow the game. And it's, obviously it's, it's, I'm talking from a drew experience where they had um, a team that is dedicated to one team, one country. So I yeah. think the Anthems, they could really um, capture the heart of the nation uh, commercially uh, as a team. It will be tough in the first year, it's a young team. Um, they're coming in, start up really, really uh, short runway. But they have an opportunity to build something into twenty-seven, and then the ultimate goal into thirty-one. And then I think, with, like you just said, uh, Brett, with with thirty-one in the US, it's a huge opportunity for the whole region—not just USA, Canada, yeah. South America, uh, all, all of the all of the region.
0: I'm just surprised that you two haven't already penciled in some sort of rugby research trip through South America where you're just gonna take in red wine and South American steak for weeks. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, I, well, I got we, you. We've yeah.
2: uh, we've been doing it via Zoom privately. We haven't told anything. <laughs> of
1: course you have. <laughs> I, course I got you, you Simon. We'll, we'll get we'll do like a motorcycle with a sidecar. We'll go through Argentina and we'll, we'll visit some yeah, polo matches and we'll it, we'll subsist on steak and Dulce de leche.
2: Oh, best this meat in the world.
1: Yeah. So, oh, looking, yeah. we, we, re- we referred referring to the World Cup and looking back now. I mean, look, when we win matches, we sort of take it. When we lose, sometimes we analyze it to death. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to look at a match you lost. Uh, I mean, quarterfinals. Have you actually rewatched that match? Uh, what do you think oh, now? And how, how yeah. just heartbreaking is it? Or, or do you look at it as a coach and say, oh, we could have done that if we just had three things different?
2: Honestly, I've not looked at it. Obviously. So, um, <laughs> that's, that's the answer the- I was expecting when 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 the when the world cup finished it was uh it was the end of a long campaign four or five months together um and the last thing I wanted to watch was us exiting what we were what was our dream uh, <laughs> yeah um it was a, it was a huge journey i loved it um yeah, loved the boys loved the the staff it was a, we created a family environment i think we did ourselves proud in terms of what we what we achieved and um, oh, yeah yeah it's, it's been interesting watching the rugby that's been played since the World Cup. Um, There's uh, mm. been some innovations in terms of, uh, some, some, of the, some of the rugby. And I think, uh, yeah, it's great to see what Ireland's done post-World post Cup as well. They they've seem to have taken another step up. Uh, so... Uh, yeah it's been really interesting seeing it but yeah no. Nah, in terms of looking back no nah, no nah, i've been looking forward to a new role uh, not, not, not watching not watching some of the heartbreak from before <laughs>
0: that book is firmly closed is <laughs> what we're hearing there. it it really it really does look like Ireland's six nations to lose even a grand slam to lose at this point you've you've been impressed with them obviously
2: oh they've been they've been brilliant they've, uh, they're obviously really well coached they've got uh, huge amount of talent. I thought it was going to be a tougher transition. Obviously, losing uh, Johnny Sexton, uh, he's been a huge part of their game for for, for such a for such a long time. But uh, uh, the new players have stepped up, and they they're playing. They they've not just playing the same game; they've evolved, and uh, they're mm-hmm. they're really dominating. But you know what the Six Nations like? Uh, you never count your chickens till they're, they're, they're hatched, and they could they could. Be uh, some results there that, uh, but I think it's there for for them to lose. Um, And they're really uh, the standard bearers at the moment. I'm 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 really looking forward to Super Rugby kicking off as well and uh, seeing what we've got down in the southern hemisphere. ready.
0: Well, we'll come we will come to that. But you two are actually going to see different Six Nations games this weekend that could actually shape the competition beautifully.
1: You know, it's interesting, Simon. Uh, Eng- yep. England. If England wins, the, yeah. then you're looking at uh, you're looking at England unbeaten going into round four against an unbeaten Ireland, and suddenly everything mm-hmm. looks a little bit different, right? You have the Irish side, as you say, is you know they've tweaked. They're, they're doing actually fewer box kicks. They're doing uh, short short passes, uh, loads of grubbers. Um, I think using the young guy, the the new guy, Jack Crowley, to do some grubbers, and then. And then they're not really worrying so much about the penalties. They're actually going harder at the breakdown. Um, and then you have England, which I think, you know, obviously you've scouted to death. They're doing a blitz defense using, um, yeah. using their new coach, Felix uh, Jones. So it's fascinating if that's the matchup between England and Ireland um, to watch that matchup because it didn't really happen for a while. It didn't happen in the World Cup. How do you see uh, how do you see that playing out with uh, Borthwick's kind of evol- evolving plan? And it looks like Andy Farrell's doing some tweaks.
2: Yeah, um, obviously with England, they're, they're, uh, they get a lot of criticism, but they're a competition team and they do well in competitions. They um, they do the basics well, uh, you know, and so they'll go into that match. Uh, the, hopefully, they'll they'll want to go in um, undefeated, and then it's all on the all on the line, and that's where they seem to excel. Um, yeah. but, uh, what Ireland have done is uh, really. They've really um, evolved their game, so they, they, they did, they've been probably the most consistent team. In, uh besides that, World Cup loss in World Rugby for the last four, three or four years. And
0: yeah, and you're going to see Ireland, Wales in Dublin as well, so you'll see all this firsthand.
2: And you know, you know what the the Welsh are like; they like nothing better than to spoil the party, so they'll be there. Um, got a young team coming through. Got some exciting players like Dio and... Uh, playing some playing some good rugby, so they'll 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 be coming to uh, to uh, Dublin to really uh, spoil the party. So I'll be looking to get the result in that and go into the final uh, with, uh, with a clean record.
0: Simon, we've we've sort of touched on it a little bit. You've we're talking about the Six Nations. You, you mentioned super rugby pacific the the shape of the game northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere at the moment it sort of feels like it feels like we might be at that point where the games are going to going to divulge a little bit they're sort of going to go away from each other and, and obviously super rugby will will try this um this variation around uh players being offside in front of kickers and things like that so it will be fascinating to see how that plays out and what it actually does for the game, north to south again.
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's a natural progression after every World Cup cycle. There's a we we look yeah. at how we can improve the game. Uh, we've actually got a shape of the game, uh, shape of the game meeting uh, the following week in London, where we we get some of the some of the the best minds in the world. Uh, in rugby, talking about what, how, how do we improve the game? How do we progress the game? So it's it's a it's a natural progression. It's some of the, some of the rules. Um, obviously, that offside ones are a perfect example. Um, sometimes we we, we don't want to watch those things where we're just waiting and back and forth. So it, it's great that we're trialling ways to actually improve the the, um, the the spectacle for the for the spectators because I think. We're, we're nothing as a game without the supporters, and we have to put the best product on the on the on the field. And uh, they want to come and watch uh, the best players playing free and open rugby. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting week next week, and I'm really looking forward to it. I heard Courtney Laws
0: talking uh, on the Rugby Pod last week, and they were talking about kick tennis. And he said, "I tell you what, I'm seeing in kick tennis an opportunity to get a br- to get my breath back." <laughs> he said, he said "Flat out." I am not moving.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, know, I, I never minded that. I thought it was quite fun to watch and have a breather. Um, so Simon, so the you know Fijian players, but of course, even all most Pacific players in general, um, they play everywhere. So you would imagine they would bring IP back from whatever competition they're in, which is, I think you proved to be a blessing <laughs> uh, in this World Cup. I think uh, you could tell that the Fijian players were thinking their way through games, outsmarting some of their opposition. Um but you know, I'm I'm always interested in the Australian angle here. So, looking at the styles you see <laughs> and what you're hearing from the players, what do you think? What style fits Australian rugby at the at the national level best? Is it the, the power chase counter field control? Is it more of a phase attack like Ireland? Where do you see this going with the talent available?
2: Rugby is a pretty simple game, and if you get certain things right, you're going to have uh, you're going to have success. And so, winning the collisions. Um... Those sort of areas, good set piece, uh, yeah, the, Your physical conditioning uh, <laughs> plays a huge part. But with Australia, they um, historically they play very skillful, um, play a great brand of rugby. And I think with Joe Schmidt coming into the into the equation, it's, he's the perfect coach to really um, develop those skills. I think yeah. in in the in the previous cycle, Australia had the talent. There's there's talent in Australia. There's talent. Overseas yeah. playing in other competitions uh, It's about harnessing that, and I think Joe will come up with a, with a game plan that fits those that the, the skill set of Australians. Um, but it's just about getting some, um, some some just some continuity and some uh, stability within within the, mm-hmm. their program, and getting uh getting those results. And I think they've got a young team, one of the youngest teams that were at the last World Cup that talent that uh, played in that World Cup is only going to be uh, better for that experience. As um, painful as some of it was, but it's part of that learning curve. So eye on price, 2027 uh, home World Cup. Um, I think 2024 with uh, with Peter Horn and uh, Joe Schmidt coming in is a real positive for world rugby. And mm. I'm, looking, I'm really looking forward to to July, uh, TRC in November and seeing what, uh, what they can install.
1: That that TRT is ridiculous this year. You have Razor, you know, talking about you know kicking sports one by kicks. You have Rossi bringing in Tony Brown, uh, which could be a monster. Right. That's
0: right, South Africa have got a new coach, haven't they? Yeah, <laughs> Jerry, Jerry Flannery from uh,
1: from Munster. Um, I think uh, Quiet Joe's doing his thing, and you have Contopomi from Argentina. It's mm. like a whole this yep. so this competition is going to be fascinating. Like you say, Simon, we're always looking at World Cup, and we can analyze almost more data and like try to exploit it. And you can see those those coaching teams will know how to get an edge. Uh, I yeah. cannot wait to see what Razor brings up against Rossi and and uh, Joe. It'll be it'll be fascinating to see the
0: the stability. Well, you mentioned stability, Simon, but the the clarity of roles. And I think we've seen we've heard so many of the Australian players speak over the off-season and they've talked about being unsure about the role or they weren't 100% on the same page around the way that that they wanted to play. And there's even been references back to how they were playing and how they completely understood things the way Dave Reddy wanted to play. And I think Joe Schmidt, you, you mentioned it, he's going to be the perfect guy to go back to that sort of pragmatic approach that will be that will mean that the guys will be perfectly clear about their role in it, where they need to be for this play, this play and this play and this play and three plays time. And there will be a very, very deliberate direction and shape to the way the Wallabies play this year. And I even think that that will actually start
2: filtering down to the to the state sides as well. Any international team success is dependent on what's going on underneath yeah. their club level, um, at super level, where it'd be, and even down to the, the grassroots. You need that pathway through and stability in what you're doing. And I think, um, like you said, with the, with the staff coming in, hopefully we've got that. And uh, just playing the game on the field. Um, mm. There's a lot of distractions off the field um, in terms of media, um, hierarchy talking, and I think just that stability. Of the Headlines, people that have, yeah. that have come in, I, th- I think, I think um, the new CEO, new president, uh, Peter Horn, uh, Jason—they've got alignment and what they want, and I think if, if you've got alignment in what you're doing, you're going to have success. So mm-hmm. that this, i think that's the first part of it. I think they've done really well in terms of creating that alignment. But like you said, all it all comes to what happens on the field, and um, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. when the pressure really comes. Yeah, it seems David, like your coming team coming back
1: too. Yeah, your team, is, uh, Simon always had that really good blend yeah. that I love in a team, which is that it was both confident and humble. I mean, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to achieve that in a group of uh, young men. <laughs> like you teach the swagger, and they go too far this way. You know, and um, <laughs> it, it doesn't it seem like in Australia that that's what they need. I mean, really, what the Wallaby culture needs now is that humble confidence. Um, you know, less talk, more action, that type of thing. Yes, which suits most of the guys, honestly. Yeah. How do you how do you teach that? And having
2: been involved with uh, in rugby Australia before. That's what the boys are. All, all, all the boys are are that. They are that. They're yeah. great young men. They're great. They're great talents, and that's that's what they that's what they want. But you just they just looking for that um, that stability and uh, to move forward. But they're, they're a great bunch of young men, uh, and there's a great bunch of young men coming through through Rugby Australia. So it's it's looking good for for the next cycle and beyond. Mm-hmm. I've said it before,
0: Harry. I'm fascinated to see how the guys that didn't go to the World Cup. <laughs> Go. I'm, I'm. I'm fascinated to see how the the Jed Holloways, the 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 Harry Wilsons, the you know the <clears throat> Noel Oliscio's, Ryan Lonigans go. Those I'll be fascinated to see how they play out. Lenick me
1: it, it, it can often be the most uh, burning uh, motivation you have, right? You know, yeah. Johnny Sexton when he wasn't picked as a lion, and what happened in those years after that. I mean, he was just furious forever. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think it can. Anyway, he it took can it all be- out on
0: Yako Piper.
1: <laughs> a good fury yeah um, speak speak a little bit of time and of the future of Super Rugby Pacific and Australian rugby in the club level I mean we have the rebels who have a very sad story we never need to we should never forget the, the human cost that it uh, has on people who have jobs families move yeah. um, what, what is it there's a more is it less is it different what is what does the club level need to do to be able to help a guy like Joe Schmidt perform on the field
2: Again, I use that cliche, that alignment across the program, obviously going to be doing different things, uh, different, uh, different clubs, but alignment and what we want to eventually achieve at the highest level. Um, I think very sad with, uh, with, with the Rebels and the whole situation. We don't know how that's going to play out, but you touched on the human side. I, I was at Stade Francais uh, when it, we were in a similar situation where clubs were merging, players didn't know what was going, where they're going to go. And it's a it's a horrible position to be in personally, Uh, not just for the people involved, but their families, their children, Mm. schools. You don't know what's going on, so there's a real thought out there for the rebels and what what's going on. Hopefully, something can be um, uh, there could be a a resolution, but it doesn't look good at the moment. But again, the they're playing good, they're playing some good rugby, well coached. Um, I think. All the Super Rugby teams within Australia have shown progression this year, um, and it's about getting off to that good start and getting some momentum um, yeah. back into that level of rugby and getting there. So, ideally, we need um, uh, some Pacific Island teams in the, in the finals with some Australian teams, so we can uh, so we can push the push the Kiwis. But <laughs> I do think the competition and after that World Cup. There's going to be some very motivated players, staff, and and, and hierarchy about getting the game and some ses- success getting back in there. But yeah. as you know, it's about momentum getting getting into that competition. If you don't start well, it's a very hard because it's, it's quite a quick runway, and it, you can you can fall behind. say we need yeah. to get uh, some good results on the board. So looking forward, look, I'm, I'm I can't wait. It's. Uh, i'm getting yeah. excited i've got the i'm trying to figure out how i can get stan here in uh, in in, uh, in europe so i can watch all those games oh. but uh, yeah yes, yeah, i can't, i can't wait for super Bowl to start.
0: it's going to be it is going to be fascinating because as you say it is such a short competition and the first month is always important the way you can't lose the competition you can't win the competition the first month but you can you can certainly make it difficult and there's an argument that all five Australian teams particularly need to start really well in the first month. You know, the Rebels absolutely need to start well to to, to start bringing crowds in for goodness. Like tickets only just went on sale Monday afternoon for their first game of the year. Um, you know, the the Brumbies in Queensland will be wanting to start well to prove that they're still the top dogs. You know the Western Force are going to be hell-bent on causing whatever sort of disruption they can. And the most desperate team of all of them at the moment might actually be New South Wales. There's there's all sorts of questions being asked of of them after a couple of pretty ordinary trial performances. Some Suddenly Darren Coleman's under pressure to be renewed, which is just crazy talk in my mind. And, um, and that's before we even start contemplating the idea of playing New Zealand sides as well. And you're right, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how it all plays out this weekend. I'm, I can't wait for it either now.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you regarding the Waratahs. Uh, trial, uh, trial form is trial form. It's not the competition. So I, I would expect the Waratahs to come out and be very, very strong in the competition. They've got talent. They're well coached. Uh, when you, when you, when we talked about that stability and uh, that alignment, having your coach being t- talked about, is he going to be there at, before game one is not good. So uh, wow. Darren obviously hasn't had the results that he's wanted, but he's a good coach and, Needs that continuity to, to build through. So I'd expect the Waratahs to come out firing. Um, good squad. You're going to have the usual teams that are going to be uh, in Australia, the Brumbies. Um, they've got the set-up. Uh, they... They've got the historical. They know how to um, history where they know where to play in that competition. But I think the young guns are going to come up and really push. I'm excited to see what the Reds do. They look, uh, they look exciting in the trial. Some really good young talent coming through. Um, They've got a lot of. Their their talent is healthy and fit, which is important. Uh, Rebels have got a really great squad. Will all the uncertainty?
0: Maybe maybe um, their best squad ever, Simon.
2: Yeah. ironically, oh, it's, a, it's unbelievable. Yeah, their, their recruitment's been unbelievable, and um, but you, you just need that outside noise to not affect what yeah. what they're doing because it, it's it's impossible for it not to. So if they just they get some momentum, they could be really good. I'm interesting to see how they go in the set piece. Uh, they've got a yeah. big, strong set piece this year, and I think they could dominate there. And then the Western Force, uh, yeah, really good young squad. Uh, looking forward yeah. to that. They, they um well coached over there by Simon. Uh, they and there's some there's some good young talent coming through there as well.
0: There's some really encouraging talk, Harry, coming out of the force. Yeah. So, I, I, th- I think they're a genuine sleeper.
1: I no, I think so that. too. Yeah. But Simon, let's go to the real thing about rugby because, you know, we play rugby so we can eat. Uh, we, we score a meat pie so we can have a meat pie. Uh, in your travels around the world, uh, this, is,
0: this has been a forty-minute build-up to this question.
1: <laughs> in, in your travels around the world, what food stands out to you? Like, what's the best thing you ate uh, that you can remember at various places, nations, clubs uh, in rugby?
2: Harry, um, if you if you look at me, obviously I'm a salad man, so I don't eat a lot of uh, <laughs> luxurious... <laughs> so, all, right. all jokes, all jokes aside. One of one of the one of the pleasures of uh, of rugby is actually going to those different cultures and eating different things. Um, uh, there's, I can't, I don't know if I've got a favorite. It was it was very good going to the US. Um, recently, to Charlotte, um, pull, famous pull for barbecue. their barbecue. Yeah. I did experience, yeah, I did experience that on more than one occasion, um, and I can tell you it was very very good. Uh, uh, recent travels to Samoa had the um, had got the chance to eat locally there. Very I uh, love the love the love the food in Samoa, Uh and all the local delicacies. Um, up in Ireland now, uh, I don't think I'm going to eat too much. I'm going to eat a few pints of Guinness. So that does that count as food? <laughs> um, <laughs> but, Just keep having yeah, breakfast. I, it's what, like I said, it's one of those great things about traveling around the world and getting to try the different foods. Um, every every country is unique. Uh, obviously, coming from Australia, um, great um, food in Australia, uh, seafood. Mm. But yeah, uh, yeah, look, I'm really looking forward to getting to South America and Africa and trying those delicacies because it's not. It's not something as common that I've tried in, uh, in the past. I've, I've eaten a lot of empanadas and steak, but uh, yeah, looking forward to getting to those regions and, and enjoying it. Yeah, you'll love Mexico. Uh,
1: uh, Brett, my favorite thing in North Carolina where sandwiches came from is there's a barbecue place there called, uh, I think it's called Dreamland. You, you, you order your food, your pulled pork, and they go, you want a side of bread, and you're like, you and they, they put a whole loaf of bread, white bread, on the table
2: <laughs> for one guy. Well, oh, wow! It's the, it's the wow. thing is the thing about the the thing about the US. You you never go hungry. the The portions of yeah. the, the barbecue are huge. It was um, it, their barbecue was second to none. It was unbelievable. Yeah,
0: I'm not nearly as well traveled as you two are in the in the in the rugby sense, but Simon, you must have heard about. The steak sandwiches at Viking Park in Canberra and they are I, I will I will die on this yep. hill they are it is just some of the best perfectly cooked steak sandwich you'll ever eat and then I thought and I thought it would never be topped and then oh five or six or seven years ago all of a sudden on the eastern side of the ground roast pork rolls and holy moly it became an awfully difficult conversation as to what are we gonna eat what are we doing do we do one now one late like that's that's tough and like there's great barbecues up at Ballymore in the old days, and you know, like North Sydney Oval used to put on a great feast yep. for club rugby games. It's, oh, I'm getting bloody hungry now. I know that for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've eaten a likely pie. You yeah. know it
0: well, don't you? Yeah,
2: yeah very yeah, well,
0: very good, very good, very good. Look, Simon, it's been it's been fantastic to to have you back on. We've really enjoyed the chat. We knew we would. We've gone to all the places that we wanted to and all the important ones, most notably the food element to it. Um, really glad to hear that new job is going well. I think you are going to do, you're perfectly suited to something like that. And so uh, we can't wait to talk to you again through the year and through the internationals because I think um, your experiences in this role are going to be just fascinating to, to hear from. So um, thanks so much for giving
2: us some time again. Thanks thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Um, best of luck with the, with the eight, nine Podcasts. Um, Really, uh, really appreciate what you do for rugby and getting out the good word uh, in terms of what, what we're trying to achieve. And, uh, yeah, best of luck uh, moving forward.
1: Cheers, Simon. Come good back on,
0: anytime. Simon. Thanks, mate. This is the 8-9 Combo Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. This is Harry Jones. And, mate, so good. To
1: have Simon roll back. Simon is one of the best human beings on the planet, and also, as you know, in the little break that we had, uh, I just got asked out on a date. <laughs> well, um, we're going to have yeah. dinner in London. Whatever shall I wear?
0: <laughs> oh my goodness! Honestly, this is and happening. I, and I have, I have absolutely no doubt you two will link
1: up in South America at some point this year. I have no <laughs> doubt at all. My, no, it's going to be great. Yeah. We, we're going to we're going to go out to eat uh, next week in London, and we're going to we're going to download all this stuff. and And, and Simon said he's going to zoom you in, so you're going to be part yes. of it. it might be three I in the look morning. I
0: Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I'm not looking forward to that call coming through. Nah, oh, you know, so you, you look
1: at a guy like like Simon. You know, Sail Sharks, Newport Dragons, Saracens Racing, Metro, uh, Aussie Schoolboys, Fiji, but yeah. all over the world, and not one person. Uh, yeah ever has had anything bad to say about him no and that's amazing so in rugby yeah yeah it's so
0: true it's so true he's his reputation precedes him and it's just the best reputation you can have so yeah no it's so good to have him back uh we we loved that it was re- really really good one little change we have made and we mentioned this last week is we're going to dedicate 10 minutes or so each week to the various competitions around the world and try and touch on the the talking points as we go through them. Um, Super Rugby Pacific does start this weekend, um, round one, and there are some really interesting contests in that. It kicks off with the Chiefs Crusaders in Hamilton on Friday night. Followed Game by of the Rebels round. right there. Rebels Grumbies in <laughs> Melbourne, Western Force uh, Hurricanes in Perth. So three games back-to-back on Friday night. And Chiefs Crusaders is going to be an absolute belter in Hamilton, isn't it? That's going to be fascinating.
1: What is this with competitions lately? All our competitions have the best matches, the first unbelievable. Talk about Uh, front loading your fixture.
0: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So, Rebels Brumbies is going to be fascinating for so many reasons like so many different storylines and narratives in that game, and so many stupid takes will be made after the result, too. I'm quite sure about that. But it is fascinating. And we mentioned earlier, tickets are on sale if you're listening to us. In Melbourne, so do get along to that game if you can. Like yeah, Tupo and Selakai Lotto in their pack. All of a sudden, the Rebels are going to be really good this year. The Brumbies, we know, will be strong. Uh, a couple of guys bitten by by World Cup omissions. The Force Hurricanes is a fascinating contest for just where the two the two teams sit and where they want to be. And I think that's a danger game for the Hurricanes. I, I think the Force are. are, are Going to be really hard to beat in Perth this weekend. Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's a trap game, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's, it's one you wouldn't want to have right bat. It's it's yeah, it's like yeah, it's like one of those. It's like having when you're playing golf and the first hole is a tricky par three. You're like, nah, no, nah, give me a four so I can at least let it out. Yeah, you
0: know, oh, I reckon it's worse <laughs> than that. I reckon it's a shocking dog leg par five. It's like, it's like that's gonna be like a one a.m. kickoff in New Zealand time.
1: It's, nah, it's, man, gonna man. Be a, it's gonna be a shit. Oh, give me a part five. Part five is a part four for me every time. Just whack it. Oh, good idea. Rory. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good idea. Uh Saturday we have the the we start off the blues and, and Fijian drew up in and Whanganoi, Whanganoi up at the, the top of the North Island, the Highlanders in Moana, Pacifica uh, in Dunedin, and then Queensland, New South Wales in Brisbane to finish the round. And good, those, good uh going to be a nice little tasty tasty contest the highlanders the highlanders and the blues i think were the only undefeated new zealand team through the trials
1: hmm. so that's well, to, bring back, to, to bring back golf again i don't really trust trials i mean your your, your best round nah. is always where you sunk on the on the range so
0: trial 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 results were either completely ignored or they go, oh yeah, we're gonna try and build some momentum of them. Like, depending on how you've gone, like they either mean everything or nothing. And oh, yeah, that's it's funny. Um, in Japan, the League One is back this week. Uh Saitama Wild Knights, Panasonic, and the Toshiba Brave Lupus are the only undefeated side in Division One. Um, it's a funny sort of draw at the moment. Toshiba play the fifth place Canon Eagles, the Wild Knights have the bye. I think Suntory has a bye in there as well. Um, so it's sort of like a split-round type thing. Top 14 resumes in France this week. Uh, Fourth-place Racing 92 host first-place Stard in Paris. And Simon mentioned the merger talks back in the day. That was those two teams, of course. But the table, mate, is tight. Stard and Toulouse are on 46 points, but then Bordeaux in third are only six points ahead of La Rochelle in ninth. So that's only one and a half wins. Like, that's nothing.
1: Yeah, the, most of these tables are actually stacked up on the north. Uh, this yeah. is actually when the French teams have to decide, you know, if they're in both competitions or just one, and they'll they'll kind of put their assets into the race yes. the title or they're going to, you know, focus on Europe. Um, they'll
0: they'll it, start having France 15s and Europe 15s, won't
1: they? Yeah, it's like, it's yeah. razor thin. Like there's only a few wins, maybe a couple of wins and La Rochelle vaults up. You have, um, you have the mobility and I think the jeopardy and the expectation, which makes people yeah. love tables, which is why it's super rugby. We need to like, that needs to be the focus is, how yes. could you be deep into a tournament and not just say, "Oh, so it's going to be Crusaders against uh, Brumbies"? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's a good point, and that's and that's going to be the big job of the commission when it finally comes in and when it when it's in, but when it finally is up and operational, the URC, the, the URC is back next weekend. I think I said last week it's back this weekend, but it's not. It's not from back for another week. But again, one win separates Benetton in fourth and Connaught in tenth.
1: Which is I mean, just mad. The majority of teams have six or seven wins. It's like,
0: yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Competition well, and that's, that's exactly there. the situation in the Premiership, uh, which yeah. is, isn't back till, and again, I think I said this back this weekend, last week. It's not actually back till 23rd, 25th of March. So I completely misread that. But Northampton's clear on top. But then again, six teams on seven wins uh, Harlequins, Bath, Saracens, Exeter, Leicester, Sale, and Bristol all have six wins.
1: That's uh, amazing. That's that's how so tight. And yeah. and your friend uh, and my friend Dan, the man from Snowy River, uh, not the the, the G-ers Dan Mac, uh, he won a semi final against Ealing. Uh, yeah. and I gotta say, when you look at the crowd, it's like the it was, English
0: Cup competition, isn't
1: it? Yeah, but this yeah. was a, so this was the the championship side Ealing. That's the poshest crowd you have ever seen. And Cranberry <laughs> is the new khaki. Uh, all elbows were patched, man. It was not a naked elbow around.
0: Red chinos. There would have been red chinos in the crowd.
1: Yes, it was just all cranberry. I mean, it was like no, they played no. the cranberries because of the <laughs> costumes.
0: For obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, Six Nations round three, we've touched on uh, Ireland, Wales in Dublin. Scotland, England at Murrayfield <coughs> with Harry Jones in yes. the crowd. Uh, France, Italy in Lille. The t- the table there is interesting. Ireland 10, England 8, Scotland 5, France 4, Wales 3, in Italy on on one. So a big weekend of Six Nations awaits.
1: For the life of the competition, you'd love England to probably sneak through, but my God, the old enemy, the Calcutta Cup, Scotland will be up for this. So you know, I'm,
0: I'm going to have to look at kickoff
1: times. I might even be trying to take that one in live. I think that's
0: going to be a fascinating contest. This is
2: the 8-9 combo.
0: Made a little bit of news to to finish up this week, and it has been another great rugby chat, as we say, each week. But uh, Wales head coach Warren Gatlin has called Scarlett's prop, Scarlet's prop, I should say, Harry O'Connor, into his squad ahead of the Dublin Clash. Uh, O'Connor came on as a replacement during a Barbarians game earlier this season, but he's yet to feature at test level, so he replaces Archie Griffin, who uh, pulled out with a knee injury. Blair Kinghorn is back for Scotland ahead of the Calcutta Cup clash. Uh, He missed the first two rounds with a knee injury, so he's back from Toulouse. Uh, New South African coach, new South African coach, Rassi Rasmus, uh, named 16 uncapped players in his 43-man squad, which will assemble in March in Cape Town for a two-day alignment camp. I don't know what that quite means, but it's the first time they've obviously assembled new coaches. Jerry Flannery, you mentioned, Tony Brown, Dwayne Vermeulen, and former referee Yako Piper. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. I mean it's more of a meet and greet. You, know, you yeah. learn more. You Logistics learn more from it. these about who's in than who's out right now because someone who's yes. out right now could still come in. But people like you know Cameron Hanikom, uh, <laughs> Nita uh, Fouché from uh, the Stormers are in, so that's a welcome sign. Uh, Sasha Feinberg, Mguelo, um, Mugello, um, Mzello, um see see Nohamba is going to be in there. Yeah. You can see some Tony Brown uh, prototypes. You know, yeah, um, yeah. Sasha and and Sonella, I think, in particular are going to be you know really up for the type of skills that Tony wants. Uh, 40... So you th- you can see a little bit of that philosophy. But I mean, there's only four overseas, I think, players in there. So obviously yeah, that's the what actual, say. yeah. 40,
0: 43 yeah. men scored, and only nineteen of them. We're in the, uh, in the World Cup winning team. So it's obviously fairly yeah. different. Uh, in New Zealand, uh, Will Jordan is going to miss the entire Super Rugby Pacific season. The Crusaders confirmed a pre existing sho- shoulder injury now will require surgery and it'll put him out for, for six months. But it was only last week that the Crusaders confirmed that former Welsh and British and Irish Lions fullback Lee Halfpenny was going to be out for three or four months. After sustaining injury against Munster in their preseason game, so oh, that's gonna be. I mean, the Crusaders have got the best depth in the world, arguably, but I wonder how many fullbacks they've got. Three, yeah, hopefully,
1: they're really handicapping <laughs> themselves. I thought someone on Twitter yeah. was saying that if they can win it without all these guys post Razor, then we can just oh, you know, bloody hell, it's there just <laughs> permanent. Yeah,
0: we'll just, just play for the Crusader Cup every week. <laughs> uh, Queensland coach Les Kiss could go for a teenage debutante potentially at fly half. for – the super Rugby. So super many on this
1: news. Uh, oh, section, so. so many. So James
0: O'Connor is going to miss at least the first three rounds with a hamstring injury. Been there, done that, um, and that's following a knee complaint last year. Um, so that puts in to the frame Harry McLaughlin Phillips, who's nineteen. Tom Liner is twenty, and Lawson Crichton, who obviously played a bit last year, uh, are all in the mix to play New South Wales uh, on Saturday night. All Super Rugby Pacific teams this year will all be released at the same time on Wednesdays. I think it's two o'clock New Zealand two two o'clock Australian time, four o'clock New Zealand time. So that's they've been trying to do this for I reckon fifteen years. And I think, fingers crossed, they've actually got it right this year. So we'll see how that plays out. Does everyone and have they, to push it on
1: the same moment?
0: I hope so. I hope it's like coordinator <laughs> watches said. <Send. laughs> I hope so. And uh, my highly regarded former England scrum half, Jo Yap, hopes to be a bit of a trailblazer after landing in Australia to begin her tenure as the first female ever coach of the Wallaroos, uh, the Australian women's side. She's the only female head coach of an Australian senior national team in any major football code in this country, which is something, isn't it? So, played, you know, takes the Australian job. She played 70 times for England, three World Cups, Captain her country uh, to the fi- in the final of the 20- 2006 World Cup. Switched to coaching two thousand and nine, um, and she would actually make a really good guest. I think at some point this year, so we we'll, we'll, we might, uh, we might pencil that one in at some point. I think that'd be that'd be a really nice nice addition. I think.
1: Oh, I love it! Uh, I really overwhelmed with the <laughs> guests we have lined up right now. We have some unbelievable we have some good guests ones. to follow, Bill and Simon.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've started well and we've got to try and keep this up now, which might be the biggest <laughs> challenge of all. But, mate, I think that is us done for another episode of the 8-9 Combo. How are you rating Episode 2?
1: Um, Brett, I will never be the same again. Uh, it's changed my life.
0: Yeah? It's all yeah. awesome talk about selling and <laughs> empanadas, isn't it? <laughs> I am just thinking about my
1: date with Simon next week.
0: Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Uh, thanks to all of you out there in Rugby Pod World who have found us. If you are new to our work, then... <laughs> Welcome. If you know us from the last year, then the last few years, then thank you so much for following us over from the the Raw Rugby Podcast. Um, speaking of following, the potties on the socials at eight nine combo on Twitter, on Insta, uh, on YouTube as well. We can find video versions of the podcast every week if you prefer to watch. And now also on TikTok as of the the weekend, which has gone off like a frog in a sock since you kicked that off over the weekend. So well done in the TikTok frame. I mean. I'm I don't understand no, TikTok. Man.
1: Uh Gary yeah, footage. We, You're up with
0: the cool kids. It's,
1: it's all about <laughs> captions and font. Uh, it's all Is about, it? yeah, it's all subliminal messages.
0: Are we going to have conversations about fonts at some point this year?
1: Fontologists. I, yeah, I love <laughs> a font Just discussion. Good,
0: good, good. <laughs> Look, wherever you are following us, whatever platform you are on, give us a follow, a like, a subscribe, interact with the pod directly. Um, but again, rate and share definitely all helps. We're absolutely thrilled to have added. A couple of hundred followers already on 8 9 Twitter in two weeks, essentially. Um, and each week, we are going to f- pick our new followers of the week. Uh, so make sure that you do smash that follow button on
1: 8 9 Combo on Twitter. Um,
0: so who is your follower of the week, mate?
1: The pride of Madeira Island from Funchal, Francisco Isaac, the darling oh, of good, the cool. Yeah, the European rugby team. He he like he, he knows about all the te- the teams that we haven't heard that much about. Had a wonderful yes. meal with Francisco at his family home there, and uh, my goodness, uh, that's a place Simon would enjoy eating in.
0: Yes, have no
1: doubt, have no doubt.
0: Uh, I'm going with. Uh, yeah, this will be awkward. Some maybe uh, former Wallabies fly half Matt Tomua. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Who Kiku. who uh who has been parachuted into our former podcast to replace us. So do we take that as a compliment, mate? They had to pull in a a, 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 a
1: former international fly half? I'm all about the love. There's no hate. No,
0: oh, no. And look, we will, we've already been swapping messages, so we'd uh, we'd love to have him on at some point. So we'll we'll see how that goes. So um yeah, follow of the week. Uh, our favourite followers each week, we're we'll get to mention each week on the podcast. But we are starting from scratch, so please do leave ratings and reviews if your pod platform allows it. Uh, YouTube definitely does as well, so it all helps. So we popped into the New Zealand charts over the weekend. We debuted at number one in Singapore this week. We're number four in Australia, which I don't think we've ever been that high before, number five in South Africa. Yes. Um, and, the, and the five-star ratings, mate, are starting to flow on Spotify and Apple already to the point we've had a comment on apple podcast remember at one point that was a robbie c said harry who he's back he said i said it before harry who and now harry where the mystery deepens each week thanks so much robbie do leave us a comment and a plat and a a rating and all that if you can harry and i remain on the socials in our usual places as well at harry baldy jones at bmc sport That's me there. Uh, And again, please do like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice and make sure you get every new episode as soon as it drops. This is the 8-9 combo, the short side set-piece combination you didn't realise you needed coming from the podcast double act you already had. I'm Brett McKay. He's Harry Jones, and we'll be back in your ears next week.
1: with us.